We're going to be turning, look at, looking at some verses of Scripture in, in just, a, just a moment. Uh, we're moving into this Easter season and uh, resurrection season, resurrection Sunday, what I, I guess I should say. And so, uh, praise God, because he lives, we live, okay? Because he lives. If God couldn't raise his only son from the grave, we would have no hope of eternal life. But because he lives, we will live throughout eternity. And so we're so grateful for, first of all, for God giving his son and, and Christ willingly laying his life down for us. No man took it. He laid his life down for us. I want to turn and look at some verses of Scripture in Luke chapter 9. And uh, you can be turned there, Luke chapter 9. You know, every Sunday my mom is here. Well, my mom is, is usually with us on Sunday. She's not here uh, this morning because we have a, uh, a funeral this afternoon, and so she just wasn't able to, to, to make the trip uh, because of the funerals visitations early in the afternoon. So normally, uh, when my mom, she sits over here be, behind me every Sunday, okay? And you know how your mom is, okay? You know how mom is? She hands me a big, gigantic stack of Kleenexes. Every, in fact, I got a confession. Mom's not here. I can say this. My bag is full of Kleenexes. <laughs> I don't want to let her down, okay? She brings them. I'm going to take them. That's mom, okay? <laughs> so this morning I'm sitting over there thinking mom's not here. And my buddy Raymond, lift your hand, Raymond. My buddy Raymond punches me, says, Pastor Bob, I got these for you today. and I keep them in my pocket. <laughs> Raymond, <laughs> buddy, that means a lot. Now, don't, now, no, hold it, hold back, okay? <laughs> Glad you brought the right jacket today. Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, okay? Uh, verse number 51 says this. It says, and as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. And when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned, he rebuked them, and so they went to another village. I want to talk to you today about this thought that you can't cancel the king. You, you'll never cancel the king. You know, people do a lot of dumb things. Anyone ever do any dumb thing before? I do. I do dumb things all the time, okay? There was a lady. She called the poison control center. She was very upset because she caught her daughter eating ants. And uh, so she called the Poison Control Center and was talking to them about it. And they said, ma'am, eating an ant will not harm your daughter. It's probably not the best thing, but that will not injure her in any way. And she said, well, that's good to hear. They said, she won't need any other medical treatment. And, and the, the mother said, well, that's good. That, that's wonderful to hear. She said, by the way, she said, I was kind of upset, so I gave my daughter some ant poison. 
They said, ma'am, you probably better bring her on into ER. People do a lot of dumb things. There was a guy, and he was driving along. We used to have Winnebago's. Some of you guys can remember Winnebago's, really cool. And this guy had a Winnebago, okay? So he's reading his owner, owner's manual. He's looking down here, and he's got something on Winne, his Winnebago. It's called cruise control, okay? Or no, not cruise control. It's called autopilot. So, wow, man, really neat, okay? So he puts his vehicle on autopilot. He gets up, goes to the back, <laughs> prepares himself a cup of coffee, and guess what happens? He goes off the road, wrecks the thing, all right? And so Winnebago, he sued Winnebago because of autopilot, and they actually had to put this in the owner's manual that autopilot did not mean auto driver. Okay. Sometimes really smart people do stupid things. We're trying to figure it out for ourselves. We try to solve the problem. And what happens is in our, in our pursuit to solve the problem, we create a bigger problem is what we do. We overthink. Anyone have, ha, ever overthink? I'm a, I'm a huge overthinker. And in the process, what we do is we create a bigger problem. The very first point is this. The culture can't cancel the Savior. The culture can't cancel the Savior. One day Jesus was preparing to go to Jerusalem, the Bible said. And Jesus knew that the time of his death on the cross was approaching. He knew that very soon he would be resurrected from the grave. He, he knew that very soon he would be leaving planet Earth, going back to heaven. And so here's what Jesus wanted to do. He wanted to minister to as many people as he possibly could. And on his way to Jerusalem, he was going to pass through a small Samaritan village. He knew that there was people that was there that needed to hear the good news. And people need to hear the good news everywhere. Everywhere that we go, someone needs a miracle. Everywhere that we, everyone that we meet, there's someone that's hurting, that's broken, that's looking, they're longing. And Jesus knew that someone needed a miracle in this small Samaritan vi village. Now, you got to understand this. The Jews and the Samaritans were always in constant conflict. The Samaritans lived in the northern part of Israel. The Samaritans were a, were a mixed race of Jewish and Gentile descent. And the Jews were very, the Hebrew people were, were very prejudiced against the Samaritans. And the Samaritans hated the, the Hebrew people because of their prejudice. Here was Jerusalem. It was located in the southern part of Israel. It was the capital city of Israel. It was considered the most holy city in Israel. It was where the temple was located. And every year, people would, would make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem so they could celebrate Passover there in that city. Jerusalem symbolized the nation of Israel. And as Jesus was traveling toward Jerusalem, he sent a few disciples ahead of him into a small Samaritan village. Why? Because he wanted the people to prepare for his revival. He wanted to, the people to prepare, prepare for their miracle. He wanted the people to tell their sick family members and their sick friends that he was coming so he could touch them and he could do something in their life. And the ministry of Jesus was known by all. Everyone heard the, the stories of his healings. Everyone knew that he performed miracles everywhere that he went. Thousands of people were continually looking and, and following Jesus. Because Jesus knew that he could change lives in this small Samaritan village. But the Bible says this. 
when the Samaritans heard that Jesus was passing through their little village, the people sent word to Jesus, you're not welcome here. We don't want you here. You know, I find that people are more than willing to receive prayer, okay? I meet people from all walks of life, okay? And I've only met one person in my whole life that refused prayer. Only one. Only one. Because people are looking. People, they don't necessarily understand how prayer works, okay? They don't necessarily understand how the miracle happens, but people want prayer. For, but for some reason, the people in this Samaritan village did not want Jesus to come. They were, the culture was offended by Jesus. The culture voted against Jesus. The culture told Jesus, you are not Welcome here. And here's what happened. The culture robbed the city of the revival. Don't let the, the, the culture today rob you of your miracle. Don't let the questions that the devil will try to perplex your mind with rob you of the miracle that God wants to do in your life. There might be someone that's watching online today, and you might be an atheist or agnostic, and you've been dealing with all kinds of questions and all kinds of uncertainty. The devil wants to cause all kinds of confusion, and the devil wants to steal your miracle. He wants to steal your salvation. He wants to steal eternal life from you. But don't let somebody rob you of the revival that God and Christ wants to bring into your life. You see, the Samaritans could have been blessed by Jesus. Their sick children and relatives could have been healed by Jesus. Jesus could have opened some blinded eyes. He could have raised some dead people. But the culture said no to Jesus. They, they tried their best to cancel the Savior. And this rejection made the disciples very, very angry. And in fact, they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, they don't want us here. We're not welcome here. Jesus, should we call fire down from heaven to burn the city up? Notice this. Jesus didn't get angry Jesus just rebuked his disciples, and then what did he do? He went to another place to heal people. He went to another place where he could give them a miracle. He went to another place where they were hungry for the gospel. He went to another place where they were hungry, and they were looking, and they were searching for the good news. He went someplace else to heal the sick and to raise the dead. Jesus didn't force his entry into Samaria. Samaria. He did not burn Samaria or this Samaritan village to the ground. He simply turned. He went to another place where people were hungry for them. He went to, or for him. He went to a place where people wanted to be healed. He went to a Samaritan woman at the at the well. She had a lot of problems. Okay, she'd been married for five times. She was living with a guy that wasn't her husband, but Jesus knew that her heart was ready. Jesus will go to people that are looking, that are longing, that are searching. Jesus went and he found a woman that had been taken in adultery. They were getting ready to stone her. What did Jesus do? He reached out and gave her a brand new life. Jesus will go to where people are looking for him. He went to a cemetery. He found a man that was a lunatic. He could not be held captive by chains, but Jesus knew this. He was ready for a miracle, 
And Jesus reached out and saved him and delivered him and gave him a brand new life. And the man wanted to go with Jesus. And I like the, the best part of the story is Jesus said, no, you can't go with me. Go back home. <laughs> Praise God. Go back home. Tell your wife, tell your kids about your miracle. Tell your city about the miracle. Tell them about the good news. You see, if people, the truth is this. If people reject Jesus, he'll just go to some place where people are seeking for him. The culture will never cancel Jesus, okay? When I don't have anything else to pray for, I pray for America. When I don't have anything else to pray for, I pray for this society. I pray for this culture to come and to, and to have a, a renewed hunger for the things of God, a renewed hunger for revival. Second point is this. Don't allow your emotions to cancel your miracle. Hate and resentment are emotions that God, that, that the Samaritans, that the devil used to cause the Samaritans to reject Jesus. Hate and resentment will cloud your mind. Hate and resentment will keep you from experiencing the forgiveness of the Savior. Hate and resentment are lies that the devil uses, what? To separate people from their miracle, to separate people from Jesus Christ. Here was these foolish, bitter people. They allowed their emotions to cancel what God was going to do in their city. Jesus was going to turn their city upside down. They said no because of the emotion of stubbornness. Jesus didn't go there. Anger and prejudice are emotions that the devil will use to separate and cancel the blessings of Christ among brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3 says this, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. My friend, hold your peace. When you feel like telling someone off, hold your peace today. Don't let the devil separate brothers and sisters because of bitterness or resentment or hate or anger or prejudice. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3 says this, Watch your tongue. Keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. You know, someone, some of those really, really wise told me once, I, I, I made a point of it, Jody. I thought it was really good. They said, you don't have to give commentary on everything. That's, oh man, that's good. That is, that is great. That is priceless, okay? Because I'm this kind of guy and I just, so I just see something or read something or hear something that I don't like and it rises up and I just feel like I just want to give them a piece of my mind. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, just wait, just hold on. That's, that's probably not the best thing. This is probably not the best time. Just, just hold on. Just hold your peace. We've got to consider the impact of our words in advance. We've got to consider the, the impact of the argument and the chaos that our words might cause. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28 says this, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking, and the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Husband and wife, for, for many weeks we taught a series on marriage. We just as you notice, we just got done. We, we're not teaching. On, that's why we got everyone here today, because they thought we was going to teach it on marriage. <laughs> you, that's okay. You can watch it online, okay? If you missed a part, it's like six, seven weeks. You can watch it online, okay? All right. This is good advice for husbands and wife. You know, yesterday, God bless them. 
God bless them yesterday. Ethan and, and Alexis are going to be getting married in six days. They went in for marriage counseling yesterday with her pastor and got it all down, you know. I said, the, here's the problem with marriage counseling, okay? The problem is we forget, when we get in an argument, we forget all that stuff. I know, what, I know that's what pastor said. I know that's the advice that pastor gave. I know that was what, that's what pastor taught, but it's not working for me right now. <laughs> but the heart of godly men and women, think carefully before speaking. Before speaking, because here's why. Spoken words cannot be retracted. We've got to think very, very carefully today. You know, a study on the relationship between Israel and Samaria reveals the con conflict cannot be traced, get this, to a time or place. Much of the conflict was a result of misunderstanding. In reality, the Jews and the Samaritans had a lot in common. Both groups had a love for God. Both groups had a love for the Word of God. Yet they lived in constant conflict. They were in an argument, Junior, and they couldn't even figure out what the argument was about. <laughs> but it's just like, well, we were into it at one time. Mom and Dad was into it. Grandma and Grandpa was into it. We can't even remember the reason. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says this, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments will separate friends like a gate locked by bars. Holding a grudge is an emotion that, that, that the devil uses to separate men and women. They are emotions that the devil uses to separate us from Christian brothers and sisters, from fellow believers, because we've got a little bit of a disagreement. And what the devil wants today, today is he wants the church fighting. He wants believers fighting with one another arguing with one another over the most ridiculous things, over preferences and over styles. You know why? It's not because it's a good point. It's just because it separates us from the true work of God. It separates us from, from sharing the good news. It separates us from loving one another and from encouraging one another. So let's stop fighting. Okay, let's stop bickering. Let's embrace one another. Let's love one another. And, and let's, let's, let's win as many people to, to the Lord as we possibly can. Pride is, is, is an emotion that says, I don't need a Savior. The Samaritans in this village were full of pride. They said, we can do it all by ourselves. Pride says this, says this, I don't need God. Pride is an emotion that Satan uses to cancel our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, before COVID hit, okay, my daughter-in-law makes fun of me all the time because one of my big things in my ministry is going to the hospital, visiting people, okay? And uh, people think that I just, I love to go to the hospital. I just, it's not that I love to go to the hospital, it's I'm a pastor. So, you know, you expect, expect a pastor to go to the hospital. But COVID kind of changed all that dynamic, okay? And it made it very difficult to even get into hospitals. In fact, I had a cousin this week that was uh, very, very sick at the VA, and I went to see him, and they said, listen, only two visitors, unless he's dying, only two visitors. And so I, they turned me away because his two sons were there. And 12 hours later, he passed away, you know. And, uh, but I'm known for going to the hospital. But I was at the hospital one day visiting uh, with a lady, and uh, she had had surgery a lot of times I go to the hospital and pray with someone before surgery. 
And uh, after surgery, I was there in the recovery room, and that lady told her doctor, her doctor came in after she had woken up from that surgery, and the lady told her doctor, he said, you know what? He said, she said, God has been with me during this entire surgery, and God did a good, good work in me. And here's what the doctor told her. I heard the doctor say this. God, the doctor said this, yeah, me and God did a good work. I thought, what pride. I know he's a brilliant man. Thank God for doctors and nurses and every, all their knowledge and all their wisdom. But that is arrogance. That is pride. Here's a guy that was putting himself on the same level as God, full of pride. Don't let foolish pride cancel the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. In May of 2005, my father-in-law was very sick. He was in a nursing home. He had suffered from a brain tumor and a brain aneurysm at the same time, okay? He had a brain aneurysm on top of a brain tumor, okay? Now, most people don't ever recover from a brain aneurysm, all right? And so he was very sick. He did recover from the, the removal of the tumor and the repair of the, of the aneurysm. He did recover from that, but his health continued to decline, as the days passed, Nick, he got worse, he got worse, he got worse. And uh, my mother-in-law, he was there in a nursing home uh, because he was unable to go home with her. And one, one day, my mother-in-law told his doctor, she said, you know what? I wish I could just take him to church and have him prayed for. And you know what the doctor did? She, that doctor laughed at my mother-in-law, said this, well, good luck on that. Good luck on that. Scoffed at it. Listen, pride will keep you from your miracle. Listen, I, I know these old bodies are weak and frail, okay? I understand that. One of these days, we are going to leave planet Earth. I understand that, okay? We are going to make our exit. I'm just passing through, folks. But God will determine when that is. That really offended my mother-in-law, no doubt. She's a good Christian woman. A few weeks later is a Friday afternoon. In fact, it was Memorial Day, 2005. The same doctor called all of us. We happened to be there visiting the nursing home that day. That same doctor on that Friday afternoon called all of us into his room. And uh, we sat there and we was with him. And the doctor said, I want to meet with you guys. We went in the hallway. And the doctor told us this, on a Friday afternoon, Memorial Day weekend, 2005, that doctor looked at us and said, he is going to be gone by Monday. We said, okay, okay, God, okay, all right. What do we do? We just went in his room and prayed for him. We went in and prayed for him. You know what the devil told me? Bob, you're out of your mind. You're a preacher. And you take your family in there to pray for your father-in-law, and the doctor says he's going to be dead in three days. Your family's going to think you're a fool. We pray for him anyway. You know, we, we pray for him anyway. We're trusting God anyway. Even though these bodies are weak and frail, even though we're just passing through, God determines when. Something happened on Monday. Something started happening on Saturday. Something started happening on Sunday. On Monday, my father-in-law was no longer dying. 
but rather he was recovering. 30 days later, by the power of God, my father-in-law walked out of that nursing home. And here's what happened. God gave him eight more years, kind of like he extended Hezekiah's life for 15. He extended my father-in-law's life for 15 more years. You know what we had? We had 15 more birthdays. You know what we had? We had 15 more Christmases. You know what we had? We had five, or not 15, we had eight. We had eight more birthdays. We had eight more Father's Days. We had eight more Christmases together. God gave him eight more years. And then you know what happened one day? God said, it is finished. <laughs> Your race is run. Your time on planet Earth is over. And then he took his last breath and God took him home. God determined. Don't let pride separate you from your miracle. Don't let any emotion separate what God wants to do in your life. Our emotions don't hurt us. Or excuse me, our emotions don't hurt God. They only hurt us. Misguided emotions will hurt your family. They'll hurt your marriage. They'll hurt the sick, the broken, the wounded today. Don't let your emotions destroy what God wants to do in your life. The last point, I'll be done. My relationship with Christ is personal, not cultural. You know, America is a nation of highly educated people. The number of mega churches is growing. However, I find this, the church population in America is declining. But Jesus is still looking for hungry hearts. Jesus is still looking for a place where he can pour out his spirit today. But he will not force his entry into our culture, into our church, into our life. He will not force us to live a certain way. And if we refuse to allow Jesus to do something in our life, you know what he'll do? He'll move to someone else that's looking and longing. I miss all the people that's never come back from COVID. I miss them. If you're watching online right now, I miss you. I'm sorry that you're not with us, okay? I hope maybe one day that you will come back. Don't get offended. If you don't, there's someone that's hungry. There's someone that's looking. There's someone that's longing. There's someone that's searching today for God to do something in their life. And those are the people that I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would move upon them. I'm praying that you'll begin to tell people your story. I'm praying that you'll be able to tell what God has done in your life and the difference, and that in your, in your, on your job or in your neighborhood, someone will find Christ their personal Savior. Because God will not force his will or his way on anyone. He'll simply go to a person where he's welcome. He'll simply go to a heart that is open to him. And Jesus is not welcome in many places in America, but you're not going to cancel King Jesus. It might have been a nation founded upon God's word. I find this. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of pastors that do missions work, and they go overseas, and, and uh, the church is growing in third world countries. Why? People are hungry for God around the world. Here's the lie of the devil. You know what the devil says about that? He says, well, that's because they're uneducated people. That's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. They don't know any better. They're just a bunch of superstitious, uneducated people. No, they're hungry for God. And when the Samaritan village didn't want Jesus, Jesus said, that's okay. We don't have to burn them down. Because one of these days, maybe the Holy Spirit... Maybe after the, after the resurrection, they'll see their life will be changed. They'll get hungry for me. No, we're, just let them be. 
I got somewhere else we can go. I got another person that needs a miracle. I need someone, I got someone else that needs a breakthrough in their life. Psalms chapter 14, verse 1 and 2 says this, only fools stay in their heart. There is no God. They're corrupt. Their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. My walk with God is not determined by public opinion. My relationship with God is not a cultural thing. My, my, my walk with God is not deper, determined on the opinions of what my friends say and my peers say or my neighbor says or some unbeliever says but I want to make Jesus Christ welcome in my life. I want to glorify him. I want to acknowledge him in all things because God is in control. Robin Shashinsky sitting here today, good friend of ours, her and Barry and her, their family, we love these guys. And I was at the hospital with her one day, and Barry was there. And I don't know if it was a back surgery or something you were having there. And we was there talking to her and encouraging him, praying with him and stuff. And uh, I... Robin, I'll never forget that day. Your surgeon walked in that room and was talking to you. And her surgeon said this. He said, ma'am, Robin, before I perform this surgery, could I pray for you today? And she said, obviously, yes. And that, that surgeon, now that, this is brilliance. This is humility. That, that surgeon laid his hands. He said, listen, I cannot perform a surgery unless God is with me, unless God guides my hand. And he laid his hands on her that day and prayed with her and prayed for her that day. And then a short time later, he left Boone Hospital, and I think he went to the mission field to do medical work on the mission field. And no doubt, not, not just medical, <laughs> medical, but to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, thank God for people of faith. I'm closing. I'm, I'm shutting this thing down. The culture, there's no canceling the king. The, the culture can't cancel the Savior. Don't let your emotions cancel your miracle. Don't let unbelief cancel your miracle. Don't let questions cancel your miracle. Don't let confusion that, that people try to bring in your life and try to heap on you or your disappointments cancel what Jesus wants to do in your life because our relationship with God our relationship with Jesus Christ our Savior it's personal it's not contingent on the culture it is personal today and the culture will never cancel King Jesus it will never happen but God cares for you today God loves you this morning as we humble ourselves before him and say, Lord, I need you. My family needs you. God, my marriage needs you. We need you. God, there's things happening in our life right now we don't understand. We don't know how you're going to do it, but God, we know that you're working. And may you be welcome always in our life. Let's close with prayer. Dear God, today, we just thank you today for your love. Christ, you are longing to do something in the hearts and lives of people. You are longing to be welcome. 
in America, in our culture, in our cities, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, but most of all, in our lives on a personal level. As your Holy Spirit deals with us, convicts us, guides us, teaches us, equips us, trains us, you want to do something in our life. And God, may we be open unto you, getting rid of emotions that's going to try to separate us, getting rid of questions and chaos and confusion that the devil's trying to use to separate us from your miracle that you want to do, from the freedom and the release and the deliverance that you want to bring into our life. Help us in these things, I pray, God. Help us, I pray. Use us, I pray, to declare your greatness. Use us, God, to declare your majesty everywhere that we go as we humble ourselves before you. Jesus, we need you. You make all the difference. As your word says in John 10, apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. Thank you for that right now. touch, Touch everyone in this place today. Touch those that's watching online. Bless them. Touch them. Draw them today. There's someone that needs a breakthrough. Someone needs a healing. Someone needs salvation. Someone needs deliverance today, God, and you are more than willing if we'll just reach out to you in faith believing. Thank you, God, today. Stand with us today. Let's just take a few minutes. Just take a few moments, and let's sing and play as they sing and play.